What's up, Rock family? You know, amidst our crazy world, if there's one thing we need today, it's prayer for the presence of God, 24-hour prayer. I want to encourage you to go to wepray247.com and sign up for a 15-minute slot to pray. We want to cover 24 hours of prayer, praying for the presence of God on our city, on our country, and our world. That's wepray247.com and sign up for 15 minutes. Let's cover a 24-hour period. God bless you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Power, let's be courageous about this. Love, let's take care of other people. Let's look out for other people and stop thinking what's going to happen to me. And then of a sound mind, let's wash our hands, keep our six feet, <laughs> keep our six feet, and 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 take care of ourselves. Be safe, but let's live our life. You know, this is not the end of the world. It's going to go away. We'll get through this, um, and let's not panic. We're doing a lot of elbow bumping these days. Elbow bump, you know, elbow bump. And stay healthy. You know, stay physically healthy. You know, social distance doesn't have to be emotional distance. We can still care for other people, check up on other people. Let's let's take this uh, take advantage of this opportunity to look out for our neighbor and see what we can do for other people. What's up, church? Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. What's up, Rock family? Pastor Miles here. I am so excited for this message because I know the devil's been lying to you, beating you down. I hope that this is an encouragement to you. Life has changed for all of us. This is the Rock Church right now. We just got a few people in the room and everybody online, so uh, we're rolling with it. But let's get your Bibles out as we do every week. want to say hello to everybody out there at our one campus, <laughs> online campus. How's everybody doing? Let's get your Bibles out. Let's get your Bibles out. Listen, if you're by yourself in your house or you're with your family, whoever you are, I, I'm, uh, whoever you're with, I'm glad that you're there. But I, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is right there with you. We haven't forgotten you and he hasn't forgotten you. We're going to be here for you. So let's get your Bibles out. Every week we're going to be here. We're going to be holding up the Bible, doing what we do. So on the count of three, say word. <laughs> One, two, three. Say word, word. Very good. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, New Testament. New Testament, the sixth book of the New Testament. Uh, eighth book of the New Testament. Uh, my bad, my bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, one of the favorite, my favorite things to do is to go to sleep. Uh, how many of y'all, by the way, love, <laughs> how many of y'all love to go to sleep? <laughs> I mean, it's like, and by the way, when you go to sleep, it's, it's, it's like dying. And when you die and go to sleep, you either have a nightmare, which is like hell, or you have a dream, which is like heaven. Because when you go to sleep, you experience this, all, this new reality that's like this but different. So every day, God gave us sleep and dreams and nightmares to rehearse the afterlife. That's just my opinion. It's not in the Bible. It's my opinion. But so when you go to sleep, you either go to hell and have some nightmare or you go to heaven because you, and something happens like really good that you, wanna, that you don't want to wake up from. And then you resurrect and you start over every day. So anyway, whenever you go to sleep, you have what they call REM cycle, rapid eye movement. It's right when you fall asleep and right before you wake up. And during rapid eye movement is when you have your dreams. If you ever notice that, you'll be dreaming and you wake up because it's happening right before you 
uh, wake up or right after you dream. And when you're having your dream and you're in REM cycle and your eyes are doing this in your head, you are experiencing REM paralysis. In other words, your body cannot move voluntarily. And the reason that God designed that is because God didn't want you acting out your dream. Because you, can you imagine you're in your dream running <laughs> and you're jumping off, you know, the, 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 the roof because in your dream you think you can fly and you go out and run and jump off your roof. And so you're doing all this in your head, but you can't move. Matter of fact, there's a condition where people actually do live out their dream. And this one guy broke his wife's wrist when he was asleep because in his dream, he, someone was cheating him in poker. So he actually broke his wife's wrist. But anyway, so when you're sleeping, you are paralyzed. And, but sometimes you will wake up halfway and you'll think someone's in the room. And you're half awake, half asleep. So your REM paralysis is still intact, but you have this almost awareness that somebody's in the room, but you can't move. You can't look. Has anybody experienced this before? And you're laying on your left side and the person that you think is in the room is to your right, but you can't move and you can't even scream. So you end up going, and, you, and you're trying to even say, get out, but you can't even say, get out. You just go, and you can't move. It's called paralysis. So while your mind is telling you, look, your body is saying no. Wouldn't it be great to take all your negative thoughts and say no? Dr. Amen of Amen Clinics has this, this term called automatic negative thoughts. They're called ants, automatic negative thoughts. The title of my sermon is Ant Killers. We're going to talk about how to kill those automatic negative thoughts, especially now when we don't know if we have a job. We don't know, you know if we're going to get a disease. We don't know who's going to die. We don't know what's going to happen to the economy, to the world. The world is literally crashing down. It appears and it's so easy to have all these negative thoughts about your family, about your life. And so we're going to talk about how to kill those ants, automatic negative thoughts, because the Word of God has a lot of good news for us. But first, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 6. Listen to this very carefully. It says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down Strongholds. Strongholds are, are incorrect, destructive thought patterns. Some of you think negative stuff all the time because of stuff happened in your life and it's always doomsday. It's always the end of the world. Or you just look at the cup is half empty, not half full. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. They're spiritual for pulling down and destroying those negative, those, uh, negative destructive thought patterns. And then it says in verse 5, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. When I was having REM paralysis, my body was saying, I'm, you want to move your head? No. It took that thought and said no. It actually took that thought. I, I, I'm fighting. I want to look. I want to see who's in, my, in the room. And my whole body said, no, we're not going to entertain that thought. And I couldn't move. I was frozen. God has given us weapons where we can take our thoughts and the thoughts that are against the knowledge of God. God said he loves you. There's thoughts that said he doesn't. you got to cast that down. God said he's going to take care of you. There are thoughts, that, there are thoughts in your head that said God's not going to take care of you. you got to take that thought and cast it down. And so we're going to take those thoughts and cast it down amidst this crisis. When you have all these cares in the world, and trust me, the cares in the world that we have are legitimate. I mean, it's like how, how are we going to do this? But I think you need to realize that you weren't taking care of yourself all this time. God was doing it. <laughs> so now we got to recognize it. Then it says, 
We're going to take every thought into captivity. We're going to say, negative thought, stop. Shut up and obey God. And then it says, and bring and being ready to punish all disobedience where your obedience is fulfilled. I was in a, um, I was in a hotel in, uh, in Vegas. My wife and I go to Vegas every year. I know it's Sin City, but I'm a pastor, so that's where I should be. <laughs> we, love, we love the hotels. We love the restaurants. We all go see a show. And in this one hotel, there's a, a rock climbing wall. And I had never rock climbed, but I always wanted to. And I said, I'm going to do that. So I did it. Got up there, a lady gave me a lesson, and the, rock, the, the wall has all these little crevices and rocks, and you got to, even a little, something that wide, you could put your foot on to lift yourself up. And I was amazed at how I could lift my body weight on these little tiny crevices on the wall. Those are strongholds. When you have one little lie that you believe, the devil will grab that lie and he will not let go. And, he will, and he'll grab another lie in your head another, and he will crawl all through your mind your whole life. We got to cast those strongholds and take them down. And so we're going to go through this little process, this six steps on how to kill your automatic negative thoughts. And we want to thank the word of God and thank Dr. Amen for his ingenious. So we're gonna, we're, I want you to get your lesson plan out. By the way, if you, if your lesson plan is on your phone. You could actually write these down with us. We're going to write them down. They're going to be on the screen. But you can write these down in your phone, on your lesson plan, on our, on, our, um, on our app. So number one, six questions. Write in detail, whenever you have a negative thought, write in detail the automatic negative thought. So I'm going to ask some people here an automatic negative thought, especially in this time that is in your head. Anybody got a thought? Uh, our families starve. Your, your family's going to starve, okay. So my family's going to starve. Some people think my family's going to starve. Legitimate, legitimate issue. That's a, that's a thought. Anybody else? Um, that our family's going to lose our home. You're going to lose your house. Some people have you lose your house. Some of y'all out there, you having that in your head. I get it. People losing their job. A friend of mine just laid off 42 people, his, his 42 employees, two days ago. It was the hardest thing he had to do. He, get, he, he had to uh, tell them to go get unemployment. Now, if he opens back up, I, I assume they're hiring him back, but... That, that's a legitimate thing. So that's a thought. That's a thought. That thought can impact, impact your body, your health. What we want to do is we want to write it out. So my encouragement to you is to write it out. I am going to lose my house. I am going to starve. I'm going to be homeless or whatever it is. Whatever your thought is, write it out and put it in front of you on a piece of paper. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 20. It says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done by God. The devil wants you doing stuff and he wants to whisper in your head and he wants you isolated by yourself. He's going to, in the quietness of your head, he's going to whisper all this garbage. Bring it out to the light and look at it. Because some of the things that you're worrying about when you write it on a piece of paper, some of the things, you're going to think, that's ridiculous. So the first thing is to write it out in as many words as you possibly can. Bring it out into the light. And then we're going to say, God, tell me about that. Yeah, right. We want to shine God's light in it. So that's number one. That's number one question. So I want you to take 30 seconds and I want you in your lesson plan or on a piece of paper, write down what your negative thought is. Write it in as much detail as you possibly can. Just take a 30 seconds, 45 seconds to do that. Just write that down.
be as specific as possible. And nothing is a dumb thought. Okay, number two. This is a very important question. First, you, you wrote your thought down. The next question is, is it true? Is it true? So, are you going to lose your house? Are you going to starve? Is, is it, are you sure? That, is, that, is that a true statement in yes. your mind, in your heart? Yes. Yeah, it feels, it feels yes. true. It feels so, okay. So, if it's true, you write yes. If you believe it's true, and I assume that the reason you're worrying about it, because you believe it's yeah. true. Or at least it's possible. Mm -hmm. So write yes, okay? Write yes, Y-E-S. Again, you want to bring the lie out to the truth? Jesus said to, to the Jews, if you abide in my word, you are my, my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are trying to get to the truth. Because a lot of times you can be discouraged based on lies. And everything the devil puts in your head. And a lot of what you're worrying about, it's a lie. Matter of fact, how many of y'all could say that you have worried for months and even years on a bunch of stuff throughout your life that never happened? Never happened. And you worried about it, it never happened. And how about this? How about you worried about it and then it happened and it, was nearly as bad, it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was happening. Amen? And, and how about this? How about this? You worried about it, it happened, and then when it happened, you were glad it happened. <laughs> oh, he's going to leave me. He's going to leave me. And then he leaves you like, get rid, of, get rid of that fool. He ain't no good anyway. So yeah, you got, we got we to gotta live life on the truth. We got to live life on the truth. So the next question is, the next question is, are you 100% sure that is true? No. No. You're not 100% sure. You're not going to lose your house. You cannot be 100% sure. Write down, are you 100% sure? Write that down. Now, if you're 100% sure you're going to lose your house, I, I, don't, I don't know how you can know that, especially right here in San Diego. I know everybody's not looking, uh, watching in San Diego, but, they, you know, during Corona, they told you they're not going to kick people out, at least in the short term. So I don't know your situation, but are you 100% sure? And how could you be 100% sure? Um, th this, is, this is probably a, this is a big one. How does that thought that you're going to lose your house, that you're going to starve, that you're gonna, your man's going to break up with you or whatever, how does that make you feel? Fearful. Fearful. Yeah, a bit anxious. Anxious, scared. Be honest with yourself. I am scared. I am nervous. I am fearful. Now listen to this. My thought is, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to get corona, end up in the hospital, and die a horrible death. Am I sure it's going to happen? I think so. But are you 100% sure? Right. Right. No. And how does that make you feel? Nervous, anxious. So you're nervous and anxious. You lose, your, your, your immune system is being compromised because you're worrying. And you're overly thinking. And you, you're avoiding people. You should avoid people, say, close people. But you're, you're, you're on the defense instead of on the offense. And so you run around scared based on something that you, don't, you can't even say is going to happen. You should absolutely be careful. But there's a difference between being fearful and careful. Fearful is a condition of the heart where you have dread and anxiousness in your heart and you're worrying. Careful is I'm just going to be careful. I'm going to be intelligent. Those are two different things. And so you got to write down how does that make you feel. Now, um, if you were to go up to a tree and the tree 
but just had green leaves, or really no leaves. It was the winter. For all of us who are from the East Coast and see winter trees with no leaves. Uh, and you say, man, I wonder what kind of tree that is. Well, let's wait till the springtime and summertime, and let's see what kind of fruit it bears. And if apples come, then we know it's an apple tree. If oranges grow, then we know it's an orange tree. I, mean, I, have, I have trees in my yard that we planted stuff when we, we moved in our house. And I always forget what they are because we, we don't really take stuff off them. And they'll be green. I'm like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And I got to wait till the fruit come. And then I see the fruit. I still don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't know if it's an orange or tangerine or mandarin or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's my wife's thing, right? So, but I got I to gotta actually eat the fruit. But the fruit of your thoughts will tell you if they're from God or the devil. <laughs> if your thoughts make you fearful, that ain't from God. If your thoughts make you stressed, that ain't from God. But if your thoughts give you peace and joy and hope and love. Now, let me tell you something. Being careful, and you can be careful and hopeful at the same time. But you could also be careful and fearful at the same time. Those are two different things. I want to read Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the spirit and the deeds of the flesh. Two different things. I want you to ask yourself, do your thoughts produce the deeds of the flesh that I'm going to read to you, or the fruit of the Spirit. If it's the first group of words I'm going to tell you, that means you're, the devil's messing with your head. He's, he's got a stronghold. It's like that rock climbing. He's got his, his claws in you somewhere, and he's convinced you of a lie. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of anger and wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and stuff like that. Well, you didn't name mine. Stuff like that is what it said. It can go on and on to the break of dawn. So it's all that stuff that stresses you out. God don't want you to be stressed out. He wants you to stand in the midst of the storm and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. And the only way you're going to trust him is if you have a relationship with him, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and you're relying on his promises. Now, that's the deeds of the flesh. The opposite, right after that is Galatians 5.22, the fruit, I talked about fruit, of the spirit. Whenever you read the Bible, there's a lot of metaphors in the Bible. Metaphors are word pictures, if you will. And there are um, animal metaphors, like God compares us to sheep or wolves or snakes. And anytime you're compared to an animal... It's telling you what not to be like. It's never good to be like an animal, like a dog. In Philippians, Paul talks about dogs. It's always bad. But when God uses a manufacturing metaphor, like our works being tested by fire, like in a furnace, it always talks about how what we really are is going to be proven. But whenever God uses a plant metaphor, the vine and the fruit of the spirit, he's talking about what we should be like. This is what we should be like, a living thing that grows and that gives nourishment and gives life to more living things. It says, verse 5, uh, chapter 5 of Galatians 22, it says the fruit, everyone say fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And guess what? And things like these, <laughs> being happy. And, and, and then it says, against them there is no Law. In other words, no one can come to you and arrest you and arrest your love and arrest your joy and arrest your peace. There's no law against it. They, they can put shackles on your hand, but they can't take, how are they going to find your joy and take it, 
You, you surrender that. You surrender it. So you have to say, what, is, what am I surrendering my joy to? Negative thoughts. To, to things that aren't true. Things that aren't true. Two more questions that are powerful. Okay, what is your negative thought? I'm going to lose my house. Are you, is that going to really happen? Yes. Are you sure? No, I'm not. How does that make you feel? Scared, nervous. Got it. Whatever your negative thought is. The next question is powerful. How would you feel if you did not have that thought? Now, I want you to feel right now. I want you to pay attention to what you're feeling right now. Just think. If I didn't have that thought, what do you feel just thinking that? Mm-hmm. Write that down. If you didn't have that thought, what, what, if you didn't have that thought, what would it be? Powerful. 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 Powerful, encouraged, hopeful, happy. You can actually, this is, this is a condition of the heart. Remember, it's a thought. You don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to happen. But whether it happens or not has nothing to do with what's happening here. Because if it happens six weeks from now, imagine if you can live happy for six weeks, then it happens. Well, at least you had six weeks of happiness. <laughs> and in that six weeks of happiness, you got ideas on how to deal with it if it happened. Versus walking around scared and getting, you, you, you can induce pain and sickness just by thinking negative stuff. So here's the last, so write down in your, in your notes, how would you feel without that thought? Romans 1.17 says, for in, it is, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then it says, the just yes. shall live Jesus. by faith. What does that mean? Well, God, I think I'm going to lose my house. I think I'm going to be homeless. But by faith, by faith, I deny and cast that thought down and I'm not going to lose my house. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to get a new house and God's going to do something in my life. By faith, by faith. Every time you take a breath, you exercise faith. You're a person of faith. So by faith, I declare the opposite of that negative thought. And guess what? When you think that positive thought, guess what you feel? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Okay, here's the end of it. Describe the opposite of your thought. What's the opposite? I'm going to lose my house. Tell tell what's the opposite of your thought. I'm not going to lose you're, my house. You're going to clean your house. I'm going to clean it. You're yeah. going to clean your house. You're not going to be homeless. I'm not going to be homeless. No, you're not going to be homeless. That's the opposite. What's the opposite? Clean my house. Buy a new, buy a new house. All right. Buy, hey, I'm buying a new house. <laughs> Houses prices are going to go down. Yeah, Amen. Come on now. Amen. Interest rates Hallelujah. just went down. Instead of saying I'm going to lose my house, now you're going to say, how is that going to happen? Well, how'd you, buy, how'd you buy your first house? Now, I don't know about you, but every house I bought, I didn't have enough money to buy the house when I bought it. <laughs> I, I can honestly tell you, I didn't ha- have the money. Every house I bought, my wife said, let's buy that house. And I said, you're crazy. And I ended up getting it. Every house, no lie. So you, don't, you didn't have the I mean, maybe you did have the money. Maybe you did. But I'm sure, I'm sure in your life, you stepped out. And so why can't God do something positive for you? If you're not looking for it, you won't see it. And so I want to review. I want to review. Number one, we all have negative thoughts. Amen? Amen. We all have negative thoughts. Number two, you have to ask yourself, are they true? You may think they are, but are you 100% sure you're not? Because you do not know the future. How does that thought make you feel? Scared, nervous. Who likes that? How would you feel without that thought? So turn it around. Declare the opposite over your life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God knows every single one of you. 
And the Bible says that we're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we tend to look at the negative. We tend to worry. We tend to assume God's not going to bless me. God's not going to, you know, protect me. God's not going to feed my family. I got to do it all myself, by myself. But really what you need to know is that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus for you. Jesus didn't come to the earth for him. He was in heaven. He didn't know. He didn't need to. The Bible says that God made us in his image so we can have relationship with Jesus. But because we're sinners, everybody sinner? And because we're sinners, we push God away. Say, God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm smart. I know, I know better than you. And you may not say that those words, but you say it through your actions. And so God is like, okay, I'll stand over here. Let you figure life out by yourself. But at some point in your life, you, you have to realize, God, I'm a sinner. I want to do it your way. And I want to surrender my life to you and do it your way. When I was 24 years old, I was using cocaine, playing in the NFL, and I was doing it my way. And then someone told me that Jesus loved me and that he died on the cross for me to pay for my sin. Because the penalty of my pride was I pushed God away. The penalty of the result of my arrogance was I pushed God away. The penalty for my selfishness was I pushed God away. So because of my sin and my pride, God was over there. I said, well, God, I want to be humble, and I want you to come over here. And you do that by telling them three things. One, A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. The Bible says all have sinned, me, them, 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 and you. And your mama. Please don't be offended, but your mama too. (laughs) My mama too. (laughs) Everybody's a sinner because nobody's perfect. Even though our moms are the bomb, they're not perfect. Admit that you're a sinner. B, believe in your heart that God loves you. He knows what's going on. And you may say, well, why didn't he fix it? Give it time. Give it time. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And Jesus rose from the dead. Do you believe that? That he's got a great plan for you? I mean, how many times have you thought there must be more to life than this? There is. And it's not just the afterlife. There's more to life now, here, for you. Admit that you're a sinner, that you've pushed God away. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he died and rose from the dead. And then confess him as your Savior. Say, God, I want you to forgive me and be my Savior. God is not about religion. He's about relationship. The reason people have children, the reason people should have children is to love them and have a relationship with them, to raise them. The reason God made people in his image is to love us and have a relationship. But we push them away. So two things I'm going to leave you with. One, I want to challenge you to fill out that form right there in your phone. Uh, think about your negative thoughts and surrender them to God. Talk to the people in your group, in your house or your friends about your thoughts And think about how you can turn them around and start believing God's truth in your life based on his word, based on the truth. And number two, there are some of you, you would like to ask Christ to be your savior. You believe you're a sinner. You believe Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. And you want him to forgive you. So I'm going to ask everybody here, there, wherever you are, to bow your heads and close your eyes. We close our eyes to focus. We bow our head out of respect. 
because we're going to talk to God. Don't think that's weird. He hears everything you say. (laughs) The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. But the Bible says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for our sin. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'd be saved. So if you would like to ask Jesus to be your Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The prayer is not magical. It is simply a faith expression of your understanding of the relationship with God that you want to have. Admit, believe, and confess. So if you would like to ask Jesus to be your Savior in the privacy of your heart, pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin is wrong and that the penalty is death. It has killed our relationship. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin and rise from the dead. So I confess my sins to you. I repent of my sins and ask you to forgive me and fill me with the Spirit of God. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give it-